Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Good morning. Time for your Mediated Conversation this morning on Wednesday morning. If you look around you, how would you describe the infrastructure that you see? Do you believe... If it is falling apart, that it's going to be fixed soon. All around us is evidence of much government-run infrastructure that seems to be buckling, falling apart. Much of it's run by councils. It is up to councils to manage water systems and electricity systems, but there are major problems within national government as well. For example, we've been told the Royal Sewage Works will only be completed in 2024. That problem, that uh, situation, has been developing for years. There may, thankfully, be some safe walking, drinking water in Hermanskral next year. Last week, the Public Works and Infrastructure Minister, Sikhla Sikhalala, went to the Free State to examine why government projects there have become blocked and taken so long to complete. So then, what's the hold-up? Why do government projects take so long? First this morning, the state of our infrastructure. Professor William Gomere is uh, an associate professor in the School of Governance at Wits University. Then... The situation around fixing it and where did the delays come in? Professor Ron Watermeyer is an adjunct professor at Witz University at the School of Construction, Economics and Management there. And finally, what's it going to take to fix it? Gundu Maswime is a civil engineering lecturer at the University of Cape Town. We start then with Professor William Gumede. Professor Gumede, good morning. Good morning, and thank you for having me again. You say that our infrastructure is literally falling apart before our eyes. What do you think has gone wrong? I mean, absolutely. I think that really the first thing is to start off with maintenance. Um, often with, um, we've seen it with many um, African liberation movements when they get to power, you know, the, the limited understanding that one has to maintain. Um, that's the first thing, you know, maintaining. Then secondly, um, so and then maintaining, you can see it with ESCOM, you know, why we have, um, ESCOM's problems. I mean, remember, I mean, in in the 90s, you know, I was around, you know, I was very much criticized by the ANC at the time um, when ra- raising the issues around, you know, maintenance is pretty key. Then the second thing is just in terms of, um, you, uh, you know, not using um, the private sector, the sort of ideological opposition um, to, um, to get the private sector in to come and deliver. And most probably the most important thing is around um, the way government procurement systems work. I mean, first, um, you know, um, the corruption around it, the padding, um, the delays, um, and so on. And then planning, absolutely planning. I mean, all of the societies that have transformed since the Second World War has been in societies, you, you know, that have been planning for the long term, planning. I mean, we have had no planning um, since 1994. I mean, we, we set up a planning commission when, uh, um, um, you know, in the late 2000s, and the planning commission hasn't planned at all. Um, yeah, so, that, you know, those are some of the things um, around it. And the last one is obviously corruption. Um, so projects get going, um, but corruption involved, get companies um uh, politically connected uh, companies to deliver. Um, they don't deliver. They they get fund companies. Um, they ask for more money. Um, you know, you get projects like Madupi and Kosile, the power stations that run, um, that goes, you know, run over time and also becomes more expensive. So is it a political problem then? Is it a, or a technical problem? Um, it's both. It's a political problem. The first, you know, lack of planning, you know, societies don't plan, you know, it's politics. Um, that's the first thing. And then um, second is also a technical problem, the idea that one can build infrastructure with politicians. 
uh, or a company run by politicians or former politicians and not by technical people. Um, so, I mean, there really is a dominant view inside the ANC that, for example, um, that's in the infrastructure companies, Transnet, Prasa, and so on, um, that you can appoint um, somebody who's a politician to be the chair uh, or to be the CEO who's never, ever um, been involved in any technical um, arena or, you know, airline, you can get somebody who's never, ever been in the aviation industry, but the person was appointed as a CEO of an airline, in the, you know, which is one of the most competitive spaces um, in the world. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that seems to happen is that you have a contractor starting and then not finishing. I don't know if that's that the contractor should never have been appointed in the first place. We also have endless disputes where things go to court all the time. Projects, whoever gets the contract, goes to court. And that seems almost endless. How do we stop that from happening? I mean, if you think about the Edmund Saudi case, I mean, that, you know, which is now um, in the news. Yeah, it's uh, someone where absolutely before he got his contract had absolutely no business sense, <laughs> never had a business before or anything. Political Connected gets, um, you know, a contract um, because um, connected um, to the ANC, the contract is pre, uh, almost sort of pre-put together for him. It's advertised in the public, you know, it, um, really innocent, naive, ordinary business people think, well, you know, apply, but it's been kind of rigged before the time he gets it. Um, get the money, spend the money on his personal um, lifestyle before um, delivering anything. Um, then government needs to get, so project is not delivered, government gets and has to reissue a contract for a new company um, to come um, and do it. And the same as when Saudi then goes to another, um, you know, in another province, um, in another government department, you know, and, and over and over again. Now, uh, the reason why, um, um, many, we get the legal issues around it is because contracts are handed over corruptly to companies that, you know, people set a company up the day before the contract or the month before the contract um, uh, and so on. And obviously, legitimate companies have that, that tender and who doesn't, um, but don't get the contracts. They go to court, um, um, you, you know, to try to get some kind of redress or transparency or openness um, because they're not getting it from the government or from uh, politicians. Professor William Gumere, thank you very much indeed. Associate Professor at the School of Governance at Wits University. Really do appreciate the time this morning. Your mediator conversation uh, continues discussing the delays that we see in government infrastructure projects. You with SAFM, it's 19 minutes to nine. Professor Ron Watermeyer is a visiting adjunct professor at the School of Construction, Economics and Management at Wits University. Uh, professor Watermeyer, good morning. Good morning to you and your listeners. And I don't know if you're on a speakerphone. It's not a very strong line. I'm going to ask you, sir, if you could just to speak as loudly as you can, please. Um, you've looked at some of the technical reasons why infrastructure takes so long to build. What do you think is going wrong? Is, let's just um, think about what we're trying to do with delivery of infrastructure. And I think this is also a bit of a worldwide problem. I know that uh, my colleague, Professor Gamudi, has spoken about the corruption. But let's look at it from the process of delivery. The construction industry delivers its products in a uniquely specific project environment which has different combinations of funders, clients, built environment professionals, site conditions, materials, technologies, different contractors, client requirements, and very importantly, different risk events occur during the course of construction. 
Now, worldwide, people have studied um, the causes for project failure, cost overruns, time overruns, and if you start distilling it, it's the same issues that are encountered in South Africa. There's really a lack of governance, a lack of um, a poor procurement and delivery management practices. We just heard about appointing the incorrect contractors or people that never had the capability. It's all related to procurement practices and how, govern, how projects are governed and how they're delivered. Now, I think we've got to realize that uh, there was a statement made by the Institution of Civil Engineers a few years ago, and I fully subscribe to this, that the role of the client is the single most important factor in determining the success of a construction project and capital works programs, irrespective of size or complexity. So there's a role to play by the client. You can't just expect a delivery team comprising contractors and consultants to deliver. They need to be directed in this process. So there's the role of the client to plan, specify, procure, and oversee delivery, and that can't be outsourced. And there lies in the problem, is rebuilding that client capacity with governance and having it as a, as a unit um, delivering projects, because that is causing the delays, decision-making, um, having the right tools in the right place. We've also got a regulatory framework that has its own um, complications where the whole supply chain management or what some refer to as procurement is really located in an office of the chief financial officer. And so what you've got is people that are making procurement decisions are not those that are delivering the project necessarily. And this creates a lot of tensions and different objectives and, and different outcomes. And um, it's just at a high level mm -hmm. looking at what the issues are. So, I mean, from what you say, uh, these are this is a problem around the world. Does it seem to be the case that government projects take longer than private sector projects? That's certainly my uh, perhaps biased view. Look, there's a, a lot of private sector projects also fail. There are projects in, in, in South Africa that have been delivered on time. Um, you know, I was involved in the delivery of the two universities, and if you want to look at a world-class experience, 28 months from political decision to the opening of two universities, by anyone's standard, it works. So it's how you get the client function working, how you get your procurement working, how you organize your resources, and how you oversee them is really what the issue is. And that is something that has got to be built up again in South Africa. Um so so there, there are different ways to manage projects. Is there any difference between the way we manage projects and other countries do it? I mean, I presume, I mean, you know, someone's going to bring up the famous example of in Japan, people can build a bridge in an afternoon. But they've also planned for that. And they do that because they have regular earthquakes. So they've planned for that. That's what that society has done. Our society is quite different. Well, look, we've, we've, we lack on the planning, and I think that where the problem also arises, if we look at the international research and bring it back into South Africa, it's the same kind of thing, is we often have with our projects this sort of optimism bias, you know, where executives are over-optimistic of what can happen, and we create expectations without going through the thorough planning and understanding what the costs are and what the timeframes are, we start with the wrong goals. One also has strategic misrepresentation in getting projects going, where we choose the wrong projects. 
We've also got escalating commitment to things, and we see this from the political influence in which projects are done, which then has a knock-on effect that there's insufficient time to plan, and it almost becomes the project is get the tender out. That's not the, 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 the project. The project is the end outcome, and that needs to be managed through a process to arrive at the end outcome. So I think there's a, there's a lot of areas across the whole planning, delivery management, and it was also Professor Moody spoke about the asset management side of things, which then informs what we should be doing and how we should be maintaining infrastructure. Um, so is there, I mean, are there examples, is there a cut and paste plan that we can use, a procedure? I mean, I don't know if such a thing could really exist, but are there changes we could make relatively quickly so that government manages projects better? Yes, there are. There's um, certainly on the international standard side, side um, there are standards for construction procurement, which, by the way, have evolved based on South African practice that was developed a few years ago by the Construction Industry Development Board. Um, there's lots of international practices. The National Infrastructure Plan 2050, which was published um, uh, in terms of the Infrastructure Development Act uh, at uh, last year, um, talks about using the world-class systems that are available and just to adopt them and to have a step change in the way we deliver projects. And that is going to have to start with the accounting officers right at the top, where the whole organization is going to function as an enterprise in a coordinated way to get infrastructure delivered and not this piecemeal, broken, fragmented approach that we have. So is government changing its systems? Is there some cause for optimism that things will get better? I think there is. It all depends upon the course that the procurement bill is going to take through Parliament. Um, I think there's a lot of debates that are still going to take place into how it is going to be located. If it's going to continue as a financial function, as is currently the case, I don't think we're going to see that window opening up. Um, but the bill has been talking about dealing with infrastructure separately. And if it is dealt with separately and put under the operational side of organizations, um, we will see a huge improvement because then we'll have those that are capable of delivering value for money having control over the whole process. Dr. Professor Ron Watermeyer, thank you very much indeed. Visiting a junk professor at the School of Construction, Economics and Management at Wits University. In a moment from UCT, the lecturer Gundu Maswime, your mediated conversation on government infrastructure projects will continue. 11 minutes now to 9. SAFM. Guiding you through the rush hour traffic. Get you an update on the uh, Deepcliffe interchange. It looks like it's pretty much all been open this morning. It was a full closure for a while of the N1 highway and the N12 west. It's all been reopened. Uh, big backlogs really from the south, from the Lanasia, Eldorado Parkside, N12 Potchefstroom Highway, N1 up to Deepcliffe stays really heavily backed up. Uh, the Golden Highway is the other congested area from sort of N12, Eldos, up through Devlin, Vicks Viking, and in through towards uh, Southgate. A lot of congestion around the Southgate area as motorists were largely diverting through there during the closure. Uh, the other big backlog is Nirvana Drive between Akinoff and Lanasia, also an alternative route during the closure, and that stays uh, very heavily backed up in and out of uh, Lanasia. Got a crash on the N12 and R24 routes after they've merged, coming to get a So both of those routes are busy. And the N1 South off-wrapping at William Nickel stays busy due to no traffic lights on William Nickel and Sloan Street, a very congested uh, William Nickel. Uh, Durban, a breakdown still with us in the roadworks between Komashu and Gateway, heading north towards the airport at Sloan. 
Australia. Uh, Cape Town, a ton of rain overnight last night. Uh, central Cape Town. And that as far as uh, Somerset West Victoria Street is currently closed on the southern side of the N2. There's a, a massive amount of water over that uh, section of Victoria Street. And then very heavy traffic in the southern suburbs. A lot of flooding around sort of uh, uh, the Mowbray area. Elizabeth Parkway closed at uh, Clipfontaine Road. Uh, right down through sort of Rosebank, Mowbray, Rondebosch, Newlands and Claremont. There's some really significant uh, traffic pressures this morning. Athlone also underwater. Clipfontaine Road and Yunsmuts. That junction is closed as well. Uh, some flooding on the M3 before Hospital Bend. So the M3 from Constantia all the way through uh, Bishop's Court and Newlands and up towards Hospital Bend stays uh, very heavily backed up. And big traffic on the N1 going into town this morning as well uh, from Plattercliffe Hill right through to the uh, sort of uh, elevated freeway and the CBD area. If you've got somewhere to get to in Cape Town this morning, give yourself plenty of time to get through. The traffic is really significantly congested, particularly in those southern suburb areas. Rob Byrne, SAFM Traffic. Telcom VS Gaming is bringing gaming to life in a way that you have never experienced before. The second season of VS Gaming Weekly is here. This time it is bigger and better. Join hosts OK Wasabi and Sibun Banza as they shine a spotlight on the world of gaming to bring viewers everything from gaming news, the latest tech, tournaments, players' profiles and celebrity interviews. Get the latest in gaming news and trends from That Freaking Geek, as well as tips and tricks from some of South Africa's favorite pro gamers. Don't miss VS Gaming Weekly every Friday at 3 p.m. on SABC 1, with repeats every Sunday at 11.30 a.m. on SABC 2, as well as Fridays at 10 p.m. and Saturdays at 11 a.m. on SABC Sport. SFM invites young people between the ages of 18 to 35 to take over the airwaves on Youth Day. All you have to do is send a WhatsApp voice note or text to 061-410-4107 on the show you would like to co-host, telling us three issues you want to tackle, and we could be calling you. Terms and conditions apply. You know what I mean? SAFM, leading the conversation. Empower yourself for the workplace with Stadio. You can work while you study with one of Africa's leading distance learning experts or study full-time at one of our six state-of-the-art campuses. With more than 50 degrees, diplomas and higher certificates, for Stadio, a qualification isn't just a qualification. It's more South Africans equipped, empowered and employed. Join a higher education institution that's industry-aligned and affordable. Applications for our second semester are now open. Visit stadio.ac.za to apply today. Stadio is a registered and accredited higher education provider. The Masked Singer is officially here. Join him, Paul Pops, and the panel of detectives Jay Something, Sumizium Klongo, Satelo Shorzy, and Skumba Lopez. They try and guess which celebrity is hiding behind the mask. Sixteen of your favorite celebrities will be doing everything in their power to hide their identity. The Masked Singer, South Africa, premiere Saturdays on S3 at 6.30pm, rebroadcast on SABC1 at 8pm and Thursdays at 930 Mediated Conversation on SAFM. Continue your mediated conversation around why government infrastructure projects take so long. By the way, we are in contact with the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, Sekla Zikalala. We have agreed to give him time to respond to all of this. Tomorrow there was a discussion about all of this, but it's a big subject, which is why we thought we would do this and then give him a chance to respond tomorrow. Gundo Maswime is a lecturer in the Department of Engineering, Civil Engineering at the University of Cape Town. Gundo, good morning. Good morning, Stephen, and good morning to your listeners. We know infrastructure can really unlock economic growth. I mean, history is full of examples. Look at China, look at Japan, look at the U.S. 
if we build the right infrastructure, we could make a real change to our economy. And yet so far, that hasn't really happened. Yes. In fact, if we can get a critical number of infrastructure projects running at the same time, that will have such a knock-on effect on the secondary industries, the suppliers, and so on, materials. That in itself can be a flywheel that can uh, jumpstart the economy. Um, are uh, we actually building any projects now that could do that? There are projects that are called special integrated projects. Uh, and uh, when it started, there were about 17 projects. These projects have a special act, which is called the Infrastructure Development Act that governs them. So the president sits in a committee, uh, he chairs it uh, with the vice president and some ministers and the mayors of metros in the committee. Those projects seem to be able to move fast enough because they are unable to unlock uh, all the compliance requirements like land, uh, like uh, environmental impact assessments, uh, water use licenses. So those projects seem to have been working. But right now, they are more than uh, 60. So I wonder just how much control uh, they would have, uh, also considering that the president and the vice president would not really have the time to sit on a daily basis. That's what Dr. Ramukhupa was actually doing. In the presidency, so some of those projects have registered some success, but you must understand they had a separate legislation uh, for for them, which which was uh, passed in, in 2014, which is an acknowledgement that under the normal course you are not going to be able to mount a critical number of infrastructure projects time timely. Um, there is a risk, of course, that everyone wants to build infrastructure and you want to do it quickly and then you do it too quickly and you make mistakes. You don't want to do that either. That is, I think we are less likely to have that problem because if you are going to make mistakes, that will be a mistake of engineering science. Engineering science is very stable. It's, uh, uh, it's very advanced. There's a lot of things that can be done over a very short space of time. The problem that we're having is one, the human factor, and secondly, uh, systems that make it dangerous uh, to, to, uh, to, to do things, especially with maintenance. It's very dangerous to suddenly procure uh, the services of a, a service provider to go and fix a road. Uh, if, because if you, uh, if you want to really do it uh, within the uh, within reasonable time, you are going to, to attract an audit finding at some point. If you check the biggest successes South Africa has had on infrastructure development, uh, was in the first 10 years, uh, uh, 1994 uh, 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 until about uh, 2000, 2000, 2002. The moment we started having the Municipal Finance uh, Management Act in full swing, uh, 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 preferential Procurements Policy Framework Act in uh, uh, 2020, uh, and the uh, uh, you know that that sort of legislation, things started slowing down, and we were also having more audit findings, and we started even having more corruption happening at the same time. So I have a sense that the the solution is uh, in completely extricating, which is what Ron was saying earlier, extricating infrastructure procurement. Uh, infrastructure management from the day-to-day -day, uh, functioning of uh, uh, municipalities. So it is a governance issue. Um, various people have made this crit critique of projects in South Africa that uh, if you have a school feeding scheme, for example, you use the school feeding scheme to try and create and uh, generate new businesses around it. 
And that's fine, but it means that feeding children becomes seen as less important. As the same happened with infrastructure. Preferential procurement has come in to help develop communities around around an area, but it means that it's harder then to build things. Do we need to be more focused to pick one sort of focal point and say, we're going to build a dam, we're going to build a dam? Yeah, unfortunately, the framework brings in a lot of other people into the fray who do not have the technical expertise to the point that the role of the engineer has diminished. In fact, in many instances, that's why some municipalities even think that they don't actually need uh, an engineer because they don't really see his role in procurement uh, committees. Uh, there is only one engineer sitting. The rest of the people are either from uh, legal, from uh, uh, finance uh, from audit uh, from from supply chain so in many instances you can eliminate that just uh, that one person as long as the engineers designed something uh, you can uh, select who's going to do the work so we are we are having an unprecedented number of projects that have been unfinished and when we speak to engineers especially in uh, in local government they will tell you that uh, i had raised it uh, in the a bid committee that this company is not going to be able to do the work and ours overruled. So I think we we have to limit the number of people who are participating in projects. In some instances, a contractor has done the work, the engineer submits a certificate, the CFO decides that he's not going to pay for whatever reason, maybe it's compliance or, or maybe he wants to delay it long enough uh, for the contractor to panic so that he can pay what they call uh, the, a, 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 toll, a toll fee or mm. the, the toll gate fee, you know. So in that instance, the engineer doesn't have uh, power to overrule the, um, the his CFO. Uh, and then you'll find that when the project collapses, it will never affect the CFO. Mm. It is a project management issue that goes back uh, to the to the engineer. So you'll find the whole relationship dynamic in municipalities is problematic. Kunduma Swimep, really appreciate the time. Thank you. Uh, lecturer in civil engineering at the University of Cape Town. My thanks also to adjunct professor, Dr. Professor Ron Watermeyer, who's an adjunct professor at the Witt School of Construction Economics. And starting us off today, Professor William Gomeda, associate professor at the School of Governance at Witt's University. Tomorrow, to reply, the Minister of Public Works and Infrastructure, Sekla Zekalada, on why government projects take so long, what's being done to fix it. Well, we will, of course, see you tomorrow from Mdu Stanza Banyan. Uh, um, uh, see you myself, look after yourself. Do you know what? It's nine o'clock. Hello. Good morning, Stephen Reuters.